Welcome to the Brick Business Show, where we talk about Lego investing, Lego reselling, entrepreneurship, and how people all around the world are using the thing that they love, Lego, to create an income and build a business. What's up, folks? Welcome back to the Brick Business Show, where we talk about Lego reselling, Lego business. Uh, super excited to be back here with another episode today. I'm with Yort from uh, Rarity Bricks based out of South Africa, and I've been really excited to talk to more people around the world uh, running successful Lego investing businesses and Lego businesses. Uh, you know, a, a lot of my content is based in the US. We have people all around the world who are doing this very, very successfully. Uh, and so I want to bring in more opinions and more stories from people all around the world to learn about how they can be successful uh, in different markets. So super excited to have you here uh, to talk about South Africa to talk about, and you've got really kind of an interesting approach to your Lego reselling business as well with your own website that you sell on and, uh, you know, social media and bringing that in and all sorts of different things like that. So super excited. So Yort, welcome to the show. H happy to have you here. Thank you very much, Daniel. It's really nice to be here. Thank you for inviting me. So I love to start off these uh, discussions with a little bit of background and just kind of bringing it back to um, to the Lego, right, before we kind of really get into the business. So I guess to kick us off here, how did you get started with Lego or did you grow up on Lego? Was it a kind of a, you know, is it something that your kids are big into or where did it all begin for you with Lego? Yeah, so um, I grew up in the 80s um, and, uh, you know, sort of Lego was a very big part of, of growing up and, and playing we you know had all the class classic castle sets and the space sets and you know sort of all those um and then obviously we you know grew up moved, um, married got married had a family and um i think it was the first time back was in 2019 um i, my, I had my kids with me and, and we found this website called pilot brick um that sells sort of vintage you know pre-owned lego and we saw this classic castle set that I used to own as a, as a kid. And I was quite excited about seeing this. And I thought, sure, that'd be really nice to, to get hold of all the nostalgia. And um, so I bought the thing um, for quite a price, which I think that was the first indication that there's definitely something there in Lego. Uh, bought it, uh, got it, and I was quite disappointed because it was, it was incomplete. It was in poor shape and uh, just not what I expected. So over time, um, sort of restored it, uh, tried to source the old parts and just sort of get it back to life and then actually eventually sold it again for a small profit. And yeah, sort of from there, we realized maybe there's something here. Um, that was this actually was set you behind me. And that's that's sort of the the as my logo as well with Rarity Bricks, you know, that's sort of where it all started. Yeah, and, and then you know, sort of my kids got interested in it and um, we started buying more and more Lego sets, pre-owned old stuff from my from my days, and then COVID hit and, and you know, sort of enjoyed building it more and more and that's sort of how the lego started again and sort of bringing it back into our family um yeah and then before business so so i mean what it sounds like my story as well very similar to my story where i was going back and trying to find sets from years ago that i was building I, you know when i got back into it years later i wasn't looking for sets that are currently available on the shelves i was looking for the old stuff you know that was around did you get a bit of a shock when you first started to see the prices or were you already aware of what happens with lego prices or was that a bit of a shock to you no idea no i must say when i when i first you know again when i went to this website and, and, and saw these sets and seeing the prices that they were going for i couldn't believe it um and specifically also in the in the, in the condition they were at and the people were selling them for um so yeah no it definitely was a big shock and again that's, i think that's how i started realizing that there's definitely something in that because obviously there must be a market because somebody must be paying those those prices so no big shock yeah big, big shock right right and so this was 2019 you said and i saw you know i had a look at your website and you know in the about us and the kind of bio section you mentioned that your business really kicked off in around 2020 was that right yeah that's right yeah so during yeah. lockdown pretty much during lockdown like i said we got these sets in um, started building them up, um, you know, different classic space, classic castle. I was fortunate that I was actually able to buy a big lot of old bricks, old parts um, from, you know, sort of from people that were clearing their, their, their houses and were able to find all these parts, these old parts that you don't get anymore today. So I think that sort of kicked me off in terms of that I was able to complete a lot of these incomplete, really broken down sets um, and restore them. And I sort of read up a little bit about, uh, you know, obviously with the sun damage, 
um, read up a little bit about you know how you can actually try to you know, get that that shine back or try to whiten the bricks again. So did a bit of research on that and just really tried to get the sets to the to the level that I remember them at as a kid. And, and from there, um, I think you know we saw that there was a need for other people that also needed a dependable place to buy Lego. That when the seller said it was complete that it was actually complete. So mm. I think that's where, you know, I, I've, I'm a little bit OCD and perfectionist when it comes to these things. So I would go to Bricklink and make sure that every single part is there and, and just make sure that when I sold something, it was pretty much in the same condition I got it from. Yeah. So, that, I mean, that site that you first started buying from, you, you mentioned that that was, you know, not not so trustworthy. And when we, we had a little bit of chat back and forth before uh, this call, you mentioned that eBay it's not really a thing in South Africa. Is is, is that right? Yeah. yeah. So so eBay is is available, but it uh, implies shipping from either the US or UK or you know sort of somewhere in Asia. So okay. obviously with the distance uh, and the our postal system in itself is not very reliable. Our basic postal system, it's 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 not as much of an option um, or easy as accessible as it is you know sort of elsewhere in the world. Unfortunately, we we do have our own platforms. Um, that's sort of mimic the, the the similar you know similar sort of eBay style, but it's not nearly uh, as developed and as advanced. Okay, okay. And so when you first saw these prices going up, and then you know as you started to kind of think about you know you were ordering parts to fi to finish the sets that you really wanted to build, and then you started to realize that maybe there was a like a bit of a business idea here or a bit or a business opportunity here. How did that idea first take shape in your mind? Was it something that like at that point, were you thinking, you know, I could sell used sets or I could set, I could help people to finish their used sets or I could, you know, invest in sets where they grow in value? What was that initial thought for you? Honestly, the, the initial thought was really just to actually get the sets in and I really enjoyed the restoration of it and, you know, sort of that, that build up part of it. And then it would be nice to be able to then sell it off and fund the next set that I wanted to buy. So really when it started, it was almost just to fund my own hobby um, and not to make it too expensive. Um, the investing part and the, and the realization that there was an actual, that it was actually an asset class on its own really only started when I started digging around on YouTube, um, you know, sort of, and, and on Facebook and other places for, for information, because I, I'm somebody that when I find something new, I try to learn as much as I possibly can about it and, you know, sort of, gain as much as information as quickly possible. So I I was looking up old sets. I was looking up how you restore them and, you know, how you, were, you could sell them and then started seeing more and more these sort of, you know, sort of YouTube videos, contents coming up about investing. And then from that sort of, I think, was my, my first dive into there's actually a world of an, an asset class here that really performs well and if can really be, you know, building to a really good business idea. Yeah, fantastic. But at that point, you were probably seeing, you know, the challenges of of your marketplace as kind of, you know, a little bit more obvious because you were looking at content online, which is obviously based in different markets like the US, where we have we're kind of spoiled for choice. We have Amazon, we have eBay, uh, you know, we have a lot more available to us to build the business on. So were you kind of looking at this thinking this is going to be a much bigger battle to make a successful Lego selling business? in South Africa at that point? How were you kind of thinking it would shape up to be? Absolutely. Um, look, I think initially when I started, um, and obviously the content that I was watching and looking at was, as you say, all US-based, um, you know, I, I thought, oh, this we can just I can just take this blueprint and, and really just replicate it locally and it will be fine, it will work, it makes sense. But as you rightly says, when I, when I said, when I started sort of investigating a little bit, I found that the, there isn't really an investment or a, a, a a, a, a resale culture within, you know, in South Africa per se. Um, there are the individual that would sell the, they would say, for instance, buy some sets or a, du a duplicate of a set, um, you know, in the shops. And then about four, three, four years later, they'll sell it on, on marketplace, Facebook marketplace, a slight, a slight uh, sort of profit just to fund the, the, the hobby as so. Um, but there wasn't really anything local that, indicated that there was, you know, sort of that there was a reseller market, that there was an area where people could go and and, and, and sort of easily have access to to the second and sets. Um, the, some of the platforms, the local platform that's similar to eBay, there were a couple of people here and there that sold some things, but I mean, it was really just, again, overpriced, number one, um, and, and 
very, very, very scarce. You know, you find one or two things here and there. I, I remember at one point I was looking at collecting the Winter Village range uh, for myself, and um, you know, I really struggled to actually find anything worthwhile um, to to buy at any decent prices. So yeah, no, it is. It's a completely uh, sort of still very young, immature market in South Africa. And I think yeah. that was what the challenge was for me at that point to make a decision: Am I going to? How am I going to take this forward? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, that makes it like to me that feels a lot scarier than you know. I feel like we're very spoiled for choice in mm-hmm. in other markets, and you really had to carve your own path. And so, you know, at that time, did had you ever heard of anybody else? in south africa doing something like this or was it just those overpriced examples that you saw a couple of you don't know how much they're actually selling you don't know you know if they're being if they're successful there were no communities no content creators no nowhere to really turn to to learn and to network and to grow you know with other people no nothing at all um i mean i remember i actually went onto facebook i tried to find out if there were any sort of local communities or any 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 sort of local person that i could learn from and and gain some experience from but absolutely not no formalized uh, community no formalized uh, example that i could follow um so yeah no it was (laughs) it was it was wide open space and i mean it's good and bad um i think obviously in the downside as you mentioned it's quite scary um, but obviously, the upside uh, upside was that it, it, it presented a huge opportunity because there's this massive gap, um, and it's just waiting. This void that's, that's waiting for somebody to fill it. So you know, so I, so I, I love that mentality. Firstly, like that's you know, I, I love hearing that because I obviously talk to a lot of newcomers to the Lego investing world, and I do hear some of their little you know the hesitations at the start, some of the things that they're afraid of, and in, in getting started and different things. And that's usually my response is like the reason that, you know, this is so lucrative and can do so people can do so well with it is because so many people are afraid to start, you know. And so when we are the ones that take that step forward, that realize that if we just invest in our knowledge, learn how to master this game, we will also be the ones that reap the reward because a lot of other people are afraid of the economy or they're afraid of you know, putting money on their shelves and, you know, all the different concerns that people have. So absolutely on the same page with the mindset. And so then you, you know, you were looking at this challenge, you could see the opportunity, but you're looking at this challenge. Uh, Take us through some of the, you know, how 2020 shaped out for you and the beginning of Rarity Bricks. Uh, what What were some of the first steps that you took to get started? So, yeah, so as I mentioned, I, I first, you know, started with trying to get as much knowledge as I could, even if it was not completely, you know, 100% relevant to my to my own situation. And probably also in a bit of ignorance, I, I did try an issue to, to, to pretty much implement that blueprint that, you know, so you guys talk about a lot locally. So I remember I started buying some Lego um, <laughs> and I, I sort of, you know, managed it as any asset class. I was going to buy low, so I was going to buy it at a discount as much as I could. Um, but at that stage, I, I wasn't doing the fundamentals, you know, sort of fundamental research. So I remember the first sealed set. So I'd now obviously been doing the, pre, the pre-owned stuff, you know, the vintage stuff and selling that off here and there was a nice market. But I wanted to now venture into the sealed sets, you know, to actually buy them now uh, to resell later. And I remember going into the stores and, and, and seeing the sets on discount. It was still the, um, the Razor Crest, the <laughs> Mandalorian Razor Crest. And I, it was 20, 25% off. And I was, you know, chuffed. I saw it, I took it, and I, and I, and I bought it. And it was the first retire. It was the first Lego set that I bought at, at the time that I thought, okay, now I've made an investment today, without realizing that it wasn't even close to retirement. That it was going to be sitting on my shelf <laughs> for many a year. Um, but yeah, so that's how it started. I, I started looking for sets. I started looking at that blueprint of saying, let's get some sets in that we think will do well. Um, and then. Then I sat with the situation. I'd now bought these sets, but I didn't have a platform to sell them on. Um, I yep. looked at the local markets. I looked at our version of eBay. I looked at our version of Amazon. Um, sort of found a little bit about the costs. And at that stage, it just didn't make sense, um, given you know sort of the, the overheads that I would have to carry and the limited amount that I had. Um, I thought about you know just selling on Facebook, but you know that's got its own challenges as an individual just selling sets. So. Rarity Bricks, in essence, started out of a need to create my own platform, basically, to sell retired sets. That was really the original idea. It was never really initially the idea to become a business that's actually 
you know, <laughs> has got an e-commerce component to it. It was really just to create this platform. I had the vision of create the platform, you know, make people want to come there and, and, and sell my stuff, my investments off at some time. Um, but yeah, obviously it, it, it's, it, that was the, I think the, the, the light bulb that started and I started it very small. I mean, we can talk a little bit about it more later, but it really, it started on Facebook. It started with brand and identity and I had to take little steps every, every step of the way and, and learn because I did everything myself. I unfortunately, again, I like to do things on my own and also overheads is, you know, it's, if when you're starting out a new business, you really need to curtail those. So yeah, I pretty much had to just do every little step and learn and learn as I went along, man. That's fantastic. I, so I love, yeah, there, there's, a, there's a couple of things that I want to unpack here because, you know, I think there's a lot of lessons here for, for anyone who's listening or, or watching here. Firstly, um, it sounds like you bought, so you, you mentioned that you bought your inventory before you had a plan to sell it, right? And, and so then Rarity Bricks was your answer to how to sell things. So you had to build your own brand in order to be able to sell things because it wasn't like you had Amazon and eBay to, to bring you customers. Um, so, I mean, for, for, I guess the first thing is, do you, do you regret any of that? Do you look back and think, okay, maybe I should have had a bit of a plan before I bought the inventory, because that is kind of something that I would say in my content, you know, I would always tell people like, you know, look, you know, you, you're going to be, you're going to be a seller, right? It's not just all investing. You're also going to have to run an e-commerce business. Think about how you're going to sell your inventory before you buy it. At the same time, hearing your story is kind of like, it's inspiring because, anybody out there who forgets to think about how to sell and they just start buying, if they have the determination that you have shown here, they can still carve out a space for themselves. You know what I mean? So like even in the face of, you know, a lack of opportunity for selling online, uh, you've been able to, to, to create it out of necessity because you already had bought the inventory. So do you feel like buying inventory kind of gave you that burst of, okay, I've got no choice now and I'm going to make this work. Uh, or if you could go back, would you have scouted things out a little more before you bought it? Yeah, no, I, 100% right. I fell into the trap. Um, I wanted investment. I wanted to move some of my you know, sort of uh, sort of regular assets, shares and, and all of those you know, type of things into a new asset class. And I bought bought the sets. And as you rightly say, I fell into the trap of feeling that I've now made an investment. You know, I have these this these sets they're going to increase in value had no idea right in the beginning of of the fact that it it might not sell us and that's what i'm saying that's the trap i fell in is that i thought that i could just use the blueprint that you know sort of is in the, fir the first world markets the bigger markets of saying you know you have you buy the stuff and there is already platforms out there and you just sell it i did not realize the 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 liquidity you know sort of on our side is completely different so would i have done it differently um maybe um but i still feel like as you say I, it, it gave me the motivation to start the business and even though it, it's been a lot of work there's also been a lot of reward it's not just uh you know it's not just financial so so in, in essence it's, it's this sort of thing that's that's in, developed and, and, and sort of organically grown is actually provided a lot of other other good good returns as well so yeah, I'm glad that the journey got me, let me put it that way. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. And again, like I, I definitely want to emphasize that determination piece here because I think anybody who wants to be successful with this, if you have the hunger and the drive and the determination to do it, there's just there's all these different creative ways that you can figure out how to actually run a Lego selling business. And so, you know, I want to illustrate some more of that by talking more about your story on how you actually run things because you know, usually I'm talking about Amazon and eBay, which honestly, it's it's quite easy, right? They bring us customers. Uh, mm -hmm. I know a lot of people complain about the fees that we have to pay on Amazon and eBay, which can be a lot, right? 15, at least 15% off of your sale price. And some people think that's too much and they don't want to sell on Amazon. But in my opinion, it's like a small price to pay for endless streams of customers without having to do any of your own marketing. You are, you know, constantly doing your own marketing for your business you're bringing in your own customers to your own website in order to sell your lego set so i definitely want to talk more about that because uh you know there's there's opportunity there for other people to do the same thing in marketplaces all around the world so you mentioned rarity brick started on 
on Facebook, right? So that's where you started to first sell things. How, how did that look? How did that start to shape up? What were some of the steps that you took on Facebook at the start? Well, I think the first thing that luckily I realized early is that there were two things that are really important is building a brand and, and giving that brand a good name in terms of, um, you know, reputation. Because it's a small business, you need to establish yourself as somebody. And even to this day, actually, I, I still face that challenge where people need to trust you. They need to trust that they're going to give you their money and you're going to provide them with what you said you did. So so I think early on, the it, it was about creating the platform. So I did a Facebook page. I had a logo, um, which is was a little bit different than the one I have now. Um, and I created some content. So I luckily, at that stage, was quite fortunate that I had a lot of pre-owned, a lot of vintage sets, and I knew that that would be my my hook. That would be my niche. If I could, I started taking some photos and you know doing some content around that, and and became the guy that has a lot of vintage Lego to sell. That was sort of to get to start off that identity because nobody else was doing that specifically either. So um, yeah, so I spent a lot of time creating content, um, photos of sets and things like that, and then obviously started selling a little bit here and then. I think from early on realized that I needed to ask and beg sometimes for actually feedback, you know, so ask the customers. So obviously, number one, I needed to make sure that my customer service was with, with you know, five stars. So I'd make sure that I kept good communication, make sure that what I sold or what I sold is what they got. And then I would ask them to please leave uh, leave uh, feedback and, you know, sort of reviews so that I can build up this sort of, you know, this reputation per se. Um, yeah, so that's that's really where it started. Started on Facebook, Facebook page, um, and sold primarily primarily on that. Um, it evolved into a shop on Facebook. So initially, it was just marketplace pure on its own. Then, as I got a little bit more confident in you know all the things you can do with Facebook, I added a shop to it, um, and you know sort of added some inventory and things like that. But people kept asking me, "Where's your website? You know, can we please go onto your website?" and I was very reluctant because it, it obviously meant, you know, a lot of either work or a lot of capital outlay to create this thing. And I didn't necessarily think or know if it would make any difference at the time. So that's, yeah, in a nutshell, where we started, pretty much Facebook-based um, and, and did well. I mean, I think we we, we built quite a, at least a, a, a presence there um, and was able to create the brand, I think, which was really important. Fantastic. So... You mentioned that you were kind of making content at the start. What kind of content was that? Was it were you actually doing any reviews of sets or anything like that, or was it mostly, you know, like photo of set, like a couple of little pieces of details about it? What were the, kind of some of those early uh, ways that you started to spread the word with content? Yeah. So, I, in an ideal world, I would have loved to have, I think, done more interactive content with video and reviews. I think because that that does carry a lot of lot of weight but i just didn't have the time um, because i still have a permanent permanent job so i I chose the the easy route of actually just lego photography and again as i mentioned i luckily i was fortunate that i had sets that were uh, you know in demand and were scarce and 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 people you know would get excited about them so i would create say for instance a classic uh, castle sort of battlefield so i had a lot of black falcon you know sort of a castle with a lot of black falcons and then the lions and they would sort of have an attack and just you know sort of just to cat, catch people's attention and then obviously some of those sets i would then sell on facebook as well so to create this expectation that people can come have a look and they will find something there that you know it's a good thing so it was really just there was a a i had something i had stuff that people wanted to buy that is in essence where, where it came from um i would have loved to have done more you know, content reviews and things like that, but I just didn't have the capacity at that stage. Gotcha. Yeah. Well, obviously, I mean, it wasn't necessary. You still were able to grow your following, your audience. Um, so you mentioned the trust was obviously a big concern. And like, uh, yeah, I could fully see that being a problem, right? Because if someone, if a buyer goes to Amazon, they honestly, a lot of them don't even realize they're buying from a third-party seller. A lot of them think that they're buying from Amazon and they're clicking that big orange buy box. Um, on eBay also, you get the opportunity to compare sellers against each other, look at the feedback rating of one versus the other, read comments of past purchasers, and also know that you are backed up by eBay, uh, mm-hmm. you know, eBay's return policies, all of those different things. So selling directly on Facebook, 
has always been, you know, an area where it's just a little harder as a buyer to to know that you can trust the seller. Mm-hmm. So what are some of the things that you did, you know, and still do to this day? What are like how's your whole approach when it comes to trust and and building that trust? Uh, is there something where, you know, uh, so so you mentioned the reviews obviously you want people to give you ratings, but is there anything else that you have tried to implement um in terms of how you work with your customers, how you serve your customers, how you post your content, anything like that that helps to build that trust? Yeah, so I think the two fundamental things is number one is uh, communication, really good and 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 regular or, or sort of you know, immediate communication and, and regular communication and full transparency. Um, so I, um, for instance, when an order is placed up to this day, I will communicate immediately um, with them personally as well and say, you know, thank you for your order um, and then take them through the whole process, you know, when the, the order is placed, when the payment's made, when the, the shipping is getting ready and, and all the way through to, you know, the, your parcels being sent off. Um, with regards to transparency, um, if sets have got defects in them or there's any kind of issue with it, I have a description in my website. I spend quite a bit of time um, adding detail in terms of where the set came from, when it was, uh, you know, so when it was manufactured, when it was retired. And then it's a specific um, section that says what the condition of the set is. And if the set either is a high value set or if it's something that has a defect, I'll actually take photos of the specific set. So I, I do have the generic photos on because it just presents better. But I'll have secondary or third, you know, third line would have a photo of the actual set, so that they can have an idea of it. And I also also tell, you know, in my on my terms and conditions, say that I would happy to provide photos of any set. But um, it remains a challenge, uh, the trust issue. I'll tell you a story that actually happened today, um, because I mean, I've I've been able to build a, a decent review on Google. Because uh, the other thing I did that was very important is I started. Uh, a Google um, merchant or Google business profile as well, which I think I would recommend anybody to do, um, where you, you basically, you know, you can get Google reviews in. And it, it I think, carries more weight than, than in Facebook, to be honest. Um, and so I've, I've made sure that I've built up the reviews and that people give, you know, and I've been lucky that people give quite detailed reviews. It's not just a start. You know, they, they actually explain and, and provide provide things around that but to this day i still have uh, you know trust issues i had a, a big order that came through ironically last night and um <laughs> i got a phone call this morning from my husband that um, was a bit concerned because he hadn't made payment yet and he wanted to he said he was coming to cape town is where i live and if you wanted to please just meet me and you know before they did the transaction so you know i said no that's 100 fine but obviously i have a, a 40 so i have a 48 48 hour whole policy you know because I, I keep them for 48 hours and then they go back online um so i said no can we then i'm, I'm happy for us to do that but can we maybe do a, a video call so we ended up with a video call where i actually went through the sets with him i showed, showed all the individual sets with the details and the defects and everything else and um, eventually obviously he was quite quite happy i even showed him the address um, now that's quite extreme, obviously, to do, but it was a large order. I mean, it wasn't just a normal order. But mm-hmm. those, those, I find that once you've done those, those customers come back again, and they also will tell other people. But you know, he went out of his way, and that I think that's the the advantage of a small business. I, I although I don't have the time, I make the time to to make sure that my customers feel comfortable and they feel that they are, you know, that I provide them excellent service with. So yeah, 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 <laughs> absolutely, and you know. It is important because marketing is an area that you you will depend on for your business. And so you do need to put that little bit of extra effort into service, customer service. Uh, I was scrolling through your Instagram and I saw one of your packages that you were sending out to, you know, an order fulfillment and the packaging was beautiful. Like it was obviously an area that you focused on. You had branded packaging, um, you know, so it, it you know from that photo alone i was able to see immediately that customer service is important to you and you know important to your business so i i think you know you've given some really really golden kind of pieces of information there that anybody who is thinking about starting your own lego selling website or or website to sell anything at all where you can't lean on amazon or ebay to you know bring the trust um there's some massive tips there, you know, and Google, setting up Google business is a great one. 
making sure you have a website to to build on the trust that you got from Facebook initially, uh, making sure you're focusing on your customer service, your communication, your packaging, coming across as an official legitimate business with things like branded packaging and a good website. Um, you know, and then obviously going a little bit above and beyond for your customers uh, with video calls whenever they need it. But also one of the tips that you gave there, I think is very important for eBay sellers as well, uh, which is the being very clear about defects. And, you know, if you are someone out there who's selling used Lego sets on eBay, just make sure that you take, you know, good pictures of the listing of the item, including even if it's a sealed brand new inbox set, but it has some corner damage on the on the box or something like that. Just take a quick snap of it and add it to the listing. Uh, it really help with, you know, with people trying to request returns and leaving negative feedback. Okay, fantastic. Now, I definitely want to start moving in the direction of talking about your website a little bit more because I think this is an area that, you know, a lot of people are going to be curious about. So... You were selling on Facebook. Uh, you started. To, you got a lot of questions about your website. You know, where's your website? I want to go somewhere where I can kind of see everything you have in stock. And then you started thinking about the website. Did I see that you only launched it pretty recently? The website. Yeah, it was uh, launched in June last year, actually. So it is okay. Just, yeah, about nine months now. Gotcha. Okay, so I guess what was that process like in terms of you know setting all of that up? Firstly, do you have a background in any te technology at all, or? You know, how, like, how did you look into starting an e-commerce website? Yeah, no, that was uh, was another challenge. I'm <laughs> I'm completely not in the field. I'm actually a medical doctor. Um, but again, I think as with everything else, I, I I wanted to learn. I wanted to get as much information. So I tried to, you know, get as much info before I started. Um, I looked at the big the big website, you know, sort of groups, um, and ended up having to make a decision on on which one to go with. Um, Price did play a role, and also ease of use, to, you know, also played a role. Um, I think it's very useful for somebody that's starting out to to use a platform that is easy to use and easy to de develop. Um, but still, with all of that, it still took me about, I would say, four months to to build the thing because I built it, you know, I built it from scratch and I, I built it on my own without any any IT assistance. Um, lots of learnings in between. Um, lots of friends and, and people that needed to test certain things and. And, and you know, sort of, and help out with uh, with advice. Um, but yeah, so it was a process. I definitely was a slow process. I mean, look, I didn't obviously work on it full time. I probably could have done it in a month if, if I had more time. Um, but I wanted to make sure that it works because I think if you if you make that big step, and when I launched, or you know, prior to the launch, I obviously had a lot of social media and a lot of hype around that. The last thing you want is for for it then to crash or to not work the way it, it should. You know, you've got, you get one bite of cherry and and that's it. So I I, I needed to make one hundred percent sure that it would work, that it's um, clean, and that it's easy to use. Um, but yeah, it was a bit of a process, but it's not. It's definitely doable with with today's technology and today's platforms. Um, it's really really not that daunting. So you said it was built from scratch, like you coded it. You didn't build it on on Shopify or something like that. No, 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 no. I used it. No, no, I used a template. So I, I used a, a platform. No, so okay. I, I so I, I used Wix, um, but I had to. I basically had to. There was there was obviously no. I didn't use a pre pre existing website that I could could build in. No coding and those type of things. I would leave to the professionals. I I don't think that that would be the the way to go. Honestly. Um, because even with that, even with, you know, the tools and, and the ability to actually slot things in, there's a lot that you, that you have to think about in terms of how your website is set out, um, you know, how the pages flow into each other, how the links work. It's, 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 you do have to, to plan it. You can't just go in and do it. You actually have to, to go in and, 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 and sort of take it step by step and recheck Either, you know, the whole time that to make sure that all the elements that needs to be there is, is flawless. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. There's a lot more involved with, you know, that kind of thing than, again, selling on a third-party marketplace that's set up for you. Yeah. Um, can you share a little more detail about some of the, I guess, the specifics in terms of getting your inventory into Wix? Like, how does Wix, uh, I guess, firstly, you know, does it like I know it's it's never going to be easy, but does it at least simplify it to a reasonable amount? Uh, what is the process like to actually get you know your listings live on there? Do they have plugins and kind of things like that for e-commerce that make it easy to quickly take your inventory and upload it? 
Um, I, I had a quick look at your website. It looks like you're, you're using stock images. You're not taking photos, which probably will help a lot with, um, you know, making things quickly quicker. Um, but what's the process like in terms of, you know, after the website was built, then just like managing your inventory and your listings? So absolutely. So that, I mean, that, that is why these platforms are built and why they, they're successful. It is definitely, they have streamlined the process a lot. Um, it is relatively easy to, to add inventory and they do add a lot of plugins and a lot of information, a lot of good dashboards that you can use to analyze data. So, so inputting inventory is, is pretty straightforward. Um, as you rightly said, I, I use stock photos. I still have to crop them a bit because they don't always need to make sure that you have the right sort of image uh, you know, overlay. Um, but your stock images is definitely the way to go. It just presents better. Um, and I think then in terms of the ease of use, that depends on how much detail you're willing to put in. So if you go through some of my pages, you'll see that there's a lot of content per product. So I've, I've chosen to, to you know, you add the product, you add the detail, your, your, your um, price. Um, you, I mean, and it, it, it goes down to uh, your SKUs, your quantity, what was your base price, um, what you're selling it for. What kind of uh, chipping do you want to use? So, so all of that is intuitive, which is really nice. But the actual content um, is the thing that takes a lot of time. So putting in, as I say, describing the, the, the set, giving some background information around it, you know, all the basic type of things that, that people want to see, you know, when they when they look at products and things like that. That does take time because that's not automated. That's you're sitting behind a keyboard and, and typing in things and, and, you know, sort of working through it. But, but the process is pretty, once you've built the website, the process of putting inventory on and also the order process thereafter is, is actually quite straightforward and, and can be quite automated. Um, you know, you can send out uh, once a product is sold, um, you can plug in obviously all your pay, pay gates. It sends automatic emails. You can, you can do everything can be automated, you know, as much as you want. Um, I choose to do some of the processes manually because there are some, some, as I mentioned, interactions that I would like to continue with my customers because they immediately pick up if it's an automated email versus a personal email. Um, so it depends on volumes, obviously. Sometimes you know, things are just automated. But yeah, the websites, both Shopify and Wix, um, work pretty well. Um, I, you know, without giving the one above the other, I think Wix is, is good for creating, you know, good-looking websites. Um, but I think that Shopify has, specifically in South Africa, does have more plugins and more um it's more e-commerce sort of orientated whereas wix is more content creator orientated although it works perfectly fine um you know for content for for e-commerce and e-commerce as well but yeah process is not too difficult okay gotcha gotcha and so you mentioned that even the order fulfillment piece is you know is reasonably kind of well set up there's automated emails when an order comes in and different things what does the like in terms of shipping and, and, and different things like that, does that also uh, in, integrate into it? For example, would you be able to ship to print shipping labels from your when you're when you're packaging an order and fulfilling or different things like that? Or do you have to go to the post office? How does that actual fulfillment flow? um on your front on your side so that, that's a little bit tricky unfortunately because of the fact that we're not again in the first world country or say in america you know wix and shopify have a lot of integration in these big markets and obviously um, with the main so the same with shipping it, it is integrated into most of the shipping the courier companies and the united states postal service but when you come to into a smaller country like south africa there aren't really plugins to to for me to communicate directly because I have a shop, so I have a I have a, a courier company that I use. So I've got a you know account with a courier company, and they are predominantly my my fulfillment set. But I have to manually do the process of once the once the the orders come in to print the label on on my um, platform, my courier company platform, and then do the the manual shipping on that part. So that's a manual process. Obviously, in other countries, there's you know most probably there are plugins available, but that's that's in so in my current the current state of art is that's a manual process okay gotcha and in terms of driving traffic to the website so you know we talked about how you're you've grown on facebook uh, you know you've also got a um an instagram account that you're that you've grown on but for the website is there anything that you're doing specifically for that in terms of of driving traffic are you focused on seo for example and ranking on google are you doing any paid traffic to your website at all? 
Yeah, so on those two aspects, I think SEO is quite quite more complex than I think people think often. Um, and it's it there. I, I was to be honest. I, I I try to play around with it initially, and and two certain levels of success. But I've actually decided enough now. Actually, just um, got you know somebody in professional to help me specifically just to set up my SEO because that's a very it's a very technical type of area. You can go through courses and tutorials and anything else, but there's there's very technical specific algorithms that that if you if you're not in the business, you will never know about. It. So I think that's the step where I'm at now is to actually get my SEO of my business to improve a lot. Um, up to this point, I compensated through advertising, uh, very specifically targeted advertising, um, whether it be on Facebook, uh, Instagram, or on, on Google itself. Um, and I, I have a specific strategy that I follow. So I only I advertise in certain times when I know, you know there's increased traffic and try to capture the market that, I'm, that I think that would potentially benefit or that I would potentially be able to generate more sales from because, you know, you, you can have a lot of people go, you know, sort of get onto your website and a lot of traffic, but if, you, if you're not converting those, then it, it really doesn't help. So so that's been, I think, over the last six months, been the process where I've been trying to identify what's the best platforms to advertise on and, 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 and to see, you know, what results work and what don't. Um, and again, the, the platforms do help. The, both Wix and Shopify have got their own sort of AI, AI integration where they, they would re, you know, sort of retarget ads into certain areas. Um, you pay a little bit more for that, but absolutely worth it. I've seen, I've seen the benefits of, of targeted um, advertising in terms of revenue. That's fantastic. And so you're seeing a good return on the ad spend, like a return on an investment from what you spend on ads? Definitely, absolutely, yeah. and for me, it's 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 really likely it's not because I I know if I can build if I can build enough of a base of, of customers and returning customers, it will actually start generating more and more leads on its own, and obviously as my social media grows as well, that that will generate as well unless my SEO comes in, then the ad spend will 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 be you know definitely will not be as necessary. But I would advise anybody who starts out. Um, that wants to 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 have a presence and and make them you know sort of make themselves relevant, you know spend that money on advertising. Don't don't um, don't don't skip on that. I think that's really important to build that initial presence. I love it. I love it. Oh yeah, I mean one of the other things that I really like from what you're saying here is you know I think another one of the deterrents for some people to go down this path of creating their own website would be SEO is too complicated. I don't know how to make my website rank on Google, and as you've just called out, when you know something seems too complicated, hire someone to do it for you. Don't worry about it. Don't let it be the big reason why you don't start your business. Don't miss out on opportunities because there's one part of it that you think you know is over your head or too complex. And so you've kind of shown that you know this is an area that yes, it's very important to a successful e-commerce website is SEO. Uh, but I don't need to do everything in my business. You know, I'm doing a lot as it is. And I'll outsource that. And then I will also outsource the, you know, to the customer getting by buying ads, right? Because when you're buying ads, that's what you're doing. You're inviting Facebook or Instagram or Pinterest or whatever to send you customers for a fee. And, uh, you know, it's working well. So there's all these different creative ways that you can get buyers, that you can find people to actually buy your stuff, especially when your product is good, your service is good, uh, and what you're offering is is up to scratch. What about support? So, you know, running your own website is another area that a little bit of work would need to go into would be in the area of support. Um, you know, obviously with selling on eBay and Amazon, uh, you know, customer service is mostly handled or at least helped out by those platforms, especially with Amazon sellers who are doing fulfilled by Amazon FBA, all customer services handled by Amazon uh, or almost all of it. And, but in your case, you have to respond to every question uh, you have to, um, you know, deal with every problem. I notice on your website you have like a chat widget on the bottom corner where people can, you know, ask a question, and then you have an email. Uh, you have a, a place where you're you're taking emails from people, so email list. Um, so I guess I guess what is your, how much work is it firstly to support the business, answer questions and queries and different things. Uh, and then can you talk a little bit more about the the, the chat widget and different things and how that impact things do you use that to make sales to try and convert people into buyers um is it going to work and kind of how does that flow 
Yeah, so no, that's an interesting question. Um, I think my first answer is in terms of customer support. I think if you're doing everything right and you're doing what you need to be doing, your your the amount of customer support that you need to provide is is less in terms of complaints and issues and concerns. Obviously, they creep in and then that then you need to manage them. Um, in terms of so, I, I state very clearly on you know on my Facebook page and also on the on the website that it is a, a part time business, um, and the responses you know might be immediate and sometimes might not. So and then I've 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 made that decision that that you know I will try as, as best either myself or because it's a family run business. So sometimes you know my partner will, you know will, will, will be online and, and have a look. Um, I have it often in the background you know sort of when I'm working just. And if something pops up, I can obviously respond to it. Um, but I, I, I don't want there to be expectation that it's that it will be instantaneous because it is not an Amazon or a you know sort of an eBay. It's a small run business. Um, interesting enough, I think my biggest challenge with customer support or with with this type of support comes with people now asking for advice um, in terms of their secondhand sets or they want to sell their sets and you know can we assist and can we help. So I do encourage them to rather send emails, um, even if they send a chat, say, you know, please send us an email, send some photos, and we'll take it from there. Um, and then, yeah, we try to manage as many of those as we can. Uh, the chat feature works well. Um, it basically gives you a notification. Um, you can respond to it. Um, again, it is something that I chose at the time to add because it does create that, that, that sense that we are there, there's a presence. I think if it and luckily, as I mentioned, it's it's not been overwhelming so far. But I do foresee that depending on the growth from the revenue side, if I because currently, I mean, I'm not employing anybody. Uh, we're doing it as a as a family business. If if things in, increase significantly, then you know you could look at maybe sort of again um, outsourcing some of that, or otherwise, then you make a decision. Say you know, unfortunately, we're not able to re respond to chats, but but please send us an email we'll respond as quickly as possible. Right. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely makes sense. And um, did I see, so another thing that I wanted to ask you about was, is there another area where you get business from in terms of making sales? Do you do anything in person? Um, because I scrolled through your your Instagram, I saw a picture where I think you were at a convention or something, you had a stall set up somewhere. Um, it looked like your two kids that were with you. So yeah. is, is that another part of your business? Do you do in-person sales as well? Um, yes, yeah, so it... <laughs> It, it wasn't as much a business opportunity as it was uh, doing it for the experience uh, in a way when it started. Um, it's it's a local market that started up for, um, you know, sort of they call it the geek market, you know, sort of selling things, uh, you know, superhero, um, comic books, you know, all kind of, you know, to that type of, it was a very unique Cape Town market. market uh, Cape Town, Cape Townians really like their markets. So I got the opportunity and I wasn't really sure how to, to manage it. And I thought, you know, Let's try it out, and as you as you rightly said, I, I decided and let's, let's take my kids with and let them experience customer service and you know the way you know, your traditional little stand works with uh, you know selling your lemonade or, or whatever else. Let's let's try that out as experience. Um, and yeah, so it and it went really well. Um, it, it was very unexpected. Um, I I took some sets with that I thought would really sell well, and then I took some minifigures that I I sort of decided to do as a sideline. You know, sort of, I had a couple of minifigures lying around, and the minifigures just all sold out. So, <laughs> and actually, for that month, the, the, the revenue out of the minifigures alone was astonishing. So, so from there, I did the second markets, and, and you know, then I did a third markets, and, and, and it's become a part of it's a small part of the business. Um, we do it because we love it, and now we love the interaction with the customers and, and the people around. Obviously, it creates awareness if there's a bit of a campaign or, or something online. Um, but it's just nice to have a, I think it's the closest I'll ever get to a brick and mortar shop. Um, and it's, it's, it's quite enjoyable. And like I said, it actually makes a lot of revenue from a, from a very different avenue. You know, so the minifigure business is, is never something that I envisioned and thought that would, would be something I'd be interested in. And I'm still not, but it, it, it's, 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 uh, carrying its weight. <laughs> so I can't let it go. So I hear this from a lot of people who go down that path of selling minifigs, selling used parts and minifigs or brick and mortar store owners, which is the market for minifigures often surprises people, you know, in terms of how strong it is. Um, it's pretty substantial. So I wanted to ask you a little bit about um, sourcing and your buying strategy, uh, you know, and your how you buy your inventory. 
um, you you mentioned that you started off with used sets and realizing that you know you could complete sets and sell them and vintage sets and different things. Is that still your focus today? Now that you've got kind of a fully fledged e-commerce website that sells Lego, are you primarily selling vintage sets, or have you moved more in the direction of the investing side of things? Do you stock new sets that are still available in big retail stores today? And um, how? you know broadly i guess without giving away your secret sauce how do you source your inventory no so um we've definitely pivoted um as, as i mentioned i started with a pre-owned vintage stuff um it's sold well but it, it's a it's very time consuming um and and even though although it's still a part of the business and still part of the website because it is sort of our identity and our niche um the plan was always to move into new sealed sets um, and i think the strategy from my side and again maybe that's something that is worthwhile sharing is that when you start out obviously typically there's a waiting period so you buy sets that are retiring now but you're going to wait two well one year if you're lucky but two three years probably sometimes to to actually sell um, when i started you know sort of looking into maybe building this business i actually looked into the almost the taboo secondhand market where you you buy retired sets already at a slight premium um, so that I had inventory to be able to sell immediately. And, and, and the plan was to, to, even if there was a slight margin, just to start having a presence of we sell rare exclusive retired sets. It started actually with a winter village range. I was able to source this literally from Facebook buyers and from local people, uh, uh, quite a large collection of winter village sets where initially the margins were small, um, and it, but it grew over time and, and it actually sustained the, 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 the business for the first two years to these selling these retired, already retired sets um, at their price up to the point where I could then start selling the, the sets that were retiring at that stage that then matured enough that obviously it purchased them on a discount to be able to sell them and that the margins are, you know, sort of would get, get um, wider and wider. So, so that's really the, the strategy. Um, I still get some, some old stuff in. If I see an opportunity where there's vintage sets um, that's at a good price um, and I feel up to it, I, um, I'll go for it. I've just uh, uh, got another um, uh, black pill that I was able to, to procure that I've restored and put together and that'll be going on the, the market soon or on the website soon. And I know that's quite, you know, sort out of a lot of people in South Africa. So I will take those opportunities if they come along, but lot less than before. In terms of sourcing, um, I started just initially just going to stores and looking at deals and discounts. Um, and I still do to an extent, but it takes a lot of time. And especially when you start looking at quantity, you know, initially when I started, I'd buy one set or two sets and, you know, I was was <laughs> creating inventory. But as it's grown and, you know, you're looking at building inventory more and more, it just, it's not, it's not, um, feasible. So I think what I can, you know, sort of what I can mention is that I didn't want to go the direct Lego route because I don't see myself as a Lego authorized seller. I had the option of of, of joining the Lego, you know, sort of group or the Lego community or the, the reseller group where I would buy directly from Lego. But I, I don't feel that's my place. Um, and I do, that's why also I don't sell anything that's current. I, I leave that to the official Lego stores. Um, I won't, I won't, ever you know sort of sell that on, on my website um but i i have through connections and contacts and you know in the legal community have been able to find suppliers that are able to sell to me um at a discount that i'm looking for in quantity so i am in essence buying from official lego sellers that have the capacity to sell extra quantity to me at a discount beyond and that's 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 helped a lot and i think that definitely that advice i can give if you can find a source where you can find reliable um, quantity of sets at a discount when you want to buy it so when i have capital to spend and I, you know, i'm already to my uh, my strategy to 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 invest in these sets then i can just pull the trigger there and i don't have to to scourge around to your find. Um, but I mean, again, if the deals are there, I'll take them. So if there's something up for, for 40% off or 30% off at my local legal store, I'll go and I'll go buy it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there's just, there's so many different ways and sourcing is something that, you know, we can get very creative with how we approach it. And, you know, if anybody was listening to that and thinks, oh, I don't want to start this because I'm, you know, finding a distributor or finding a partner is too much work and too difficult. and 
you know, I, I'm not great at picking up the phone and talking to people and different things. That's just, that's just the more recent way, um, you know, that, that rarity bricks is being stocked. It was previously vintage sets, you know, retail arbitrage is still a part of it, just going into stores and buying, like there's much more simple ways of finding inventory that you still use uh, that I, I run my entire business on, on still buying from retailers because I prefer it over trying to go to distributors. And, uh, you know, it's, there's just so many different ways we can be creative with sourcing inventory. Um, so I, I, one of the other things I wanted to ask you was around, you mentioned you still work full-time. Was that right? I do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that's, that's great because, you know, I talk to a variety of people who work, who do this full-time sell Lego full-time and that's inspiring for a lot of people who want to quit their job and, you know, become Lego sellers full-time, but also I still work full-time. I like, you know, showing people that, this is a business that can be done uh, while you still keep your job. It can be a side income. It can be a very lucrative side hustle. Uh, so I love seeing that other people are super successful while still working full time. Uh, can you talk a little bit about how, you know, about that, that piece of it and doing, you know, this part time, um, you know, how much time do you think that it takes per week uh, to run your store? Um, you know, do how much of a kind of a lift or, or, you know, how, how doable do you think it is for the regular person to do this on the side of a full-time job? It's absolutely doable, Shane. I mean, I've got a quite a demanding job. Um, and, and, you know, I think the, 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 goal, the answer is just time management. I think it's important to, to be realistic and see what time you have available and then use it as effective as possible. Um, and, and to also, you know, especially if you do, you know, if you go the direction that I am, it's not to put too much pressure on yourself, is that to say, you know, I can I can do this, but I can't do that. So either, you know, I don't go in that direction or I, you know, sort of compromise somewhere else. Um, I have a very, so there are times that I'm really busy. So obviously our, our Q4 time is also quite busy and I will often spend a weekend you know, busy with uh, packaging and sending out invoices and, you know, all the, all the sort of customer service type of things. But, you know, during the rest of the year, because the sales come in regularly and they and they likely spread out to a large extent, um, I just allocate time using the evenings, um, you know, check what needs to be done, what needs to go out. Um, initially, it was a lot of work because, you know, things were maybe not as streamlined and you're sort of still figuring things out. But as you mature the business more and, and you understand the processes better and you can automate and streamline better it really becomes second you know secondary habit um i think that's you know the other important thing is just make sure that you've got your process in place make sure that you have templates of everything so that you don't have to you know type the same email over and over again you can you can actually have a template in the background that you just tweak here and there make sure it's still personal but you don't have to write the entire email the right you know the communication through so there's little things that you can do here and there and absolutely doable. I mean, I spend on average maybe four weeks a week, four hours, sorry, four hours a week, you know, sort of on it if it's if it's really necessary. Otherwise, half an hour to an hour, you know, sort of if needs be. So not not really that much of an issue. Totally doable. Just give up a couple of episodes of a Netflix show and there you go. You can run That's a successful side business. That's awesome. Obviously, a bit more time in the beginning getting set up with, you know, the website and different things. But when you create these processes, and I love what you said there, because it's also what I continuously try to say in all my content, which is, you know, if we build systems, uh, we can really simplify things. When it comes to an order fulfillment, for example, a lot of people are, you know, they they get a little nervous thinking about how much time it's going to take them to find the, the, the right box that'll fit the set that they just sold. Uh, or, you know, to to tape up the box and, and to get it shipped out and different things. If you build, uh, you know, a little shipping station uh, mm -hmm. in your place of work and have the boxes that you need there, I know it'll be a little bit of an investment up front, but just get, you know, buy, spend money. I know it, it's also crazy to a lot of people to spend money on boxes at the start. Uh, you could just repurpose the boxes that come in the door when I order from Amazon. No, just buy the right size that you need because then, you know, when you make a sale, you can just get it boxed up, get it out the door immediately. There'll be no headaches, no worries. You have these systems in place. It simplifies everything and just, you know, it'll it'll unstick you. It'll give you, it'll remove the the heaviness, the weight of, of the, the feeling of running an e-commerce business. And uh, you'll be able to use that, you know, extra momentum to grow in other ways. Um so yeah, I love that. I, I so I just have one last question, two last questions for you uh, before we close out here. Um, 
I, I like to, I guess, reflect back on, you know, any challenges in my business. So if, if I were to ask you, is there anything that are mistakes and is there anything that you would do differently looking back at the last couple of years of building rarity bricks? Is there anything that comes to mind? Yeah. Um, I think the first thing is, is, as I think, as I mentioned previously, as well as to jump in before you know where you're going and what you're doing. So, you know, investing, leg investing is, is, is a, is a, is a great, you know, it's an absolute great platform, but you need to make sure that you, that you actually, when you start out, that you start the right way and that you have the right information. As I said, I, and I see this a lot on Facebook and all these groups, you know, people buying stuff just because they, they, you know, heard that they, need to buy these things or you know and then they get excited about it and they don't realize they don't have a plan they don't actually know where they're going with it or what they need to do with it so i think that's that was mistake number one and i've actually i've kept the sets that i that i bought you know those those uh, razor crests i've kept them and i'm probably going to keep them you know sort of indefinitely because they show me again they remind me of the mistakes that i made and you know that jumping in too quickly to make sure to rather make sure that you actually understand everything and that's why the content that you guys you know you know provide is, is so useful because you you need to find some way that you can learn and and that you can learn from mistakes from others um i think that was the one thing um the other the other mistakes that i think that i've made that i that i would you know sort of look back on is and that i do these days is is to not be afraid to sell if you need to you know, sort of let go of stuff that, that is not doing well. Um, you know, it's almost that same as when you, you bought a stock and it's just going down, 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 and you don't want to sell it. So so is to make that decision, you know what, I'm going to cut my cut my losses. I'm going to sell the set um, and rather reinvest that that capital. And that's, again, I mean, you we say that it's so important to to buy at a lower price because your, 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 your you know, your um, loss is obviously a lot less and sometimes you break even. So I think initially I probably should have, not hang on to stuff that was really never going to go anywhere and you know, sort of didn't sell it. Um, I think that's an important one. And then, yeah, I think uh, uh, it's just, yeah, I think that's pretty much it. Uh, it's, it's really just about having a plan, um, making sure that you understand where you're going, what you're doing, and um, and then going with it. Not, and I think the biggest mistake is is not starting, as you said. You know, it's, there's so much opportunity if, if you've got the right mindset and just a little bit of guts to, to go for it. Yeah, absolutely. Biggest mistake is not starting. I love it. So the last thing that I want to uh, to ask you is what does the future look like for you and for your business? What are you excited about? You know, when you look at the future of, of Rarity Bricks, where do you want to double down? You know, is there anything you want to stop doing? Uh, how do the next couple of years look like for you? Yeah, so I think... Um, where we're going is, as I mentioned, I, I think I want to develop the automation of, or not the automation, but the, the presence of my website a little bit more in terms of the SEO. So that's why I've just, you know, again, just hired somebody to assist me with that, um, to make sure that the presence is automatically there, because that will definitely significantly help with the content that I'm creating and, you know, all the, the social media aspects that take time. And that's, I think, important to know as well. It does take time to... If you if you're doing it yourself to actually continuously manage the, the the social media content, so so ultimately it is to streamline the processes more and more and more to have less of um, you know to be able to do the things I like and not you know not have to spend so much time on 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 things that does not need to happen. Um, if obviously the business is growing and it's growing quite fast, I have contemplated going international. Um, because there's a lot of demand international because we one of the benefits of being in a market where there's less liquidity is there's also availability of sets that's long been sold out elsewhere um, that's still available here and then you know I get often get inquiries about you know sets and things from overseas the biggest problem and the biggest barrier I currently have is shipping um, shipping costs out of a country like ours is significant so I think if I will be growing, into, so firstly, growing obviously presence locally is, is important. Um, growing towards the right customer base is very important. I think that's where I'm, where I'm headed is to make sure that I'm getting my website in front of the right the people that that do the right people. Sort of similar to what Lego is doing with the the old marketing these days and you know the adults. Um, but if yeah, going internationally is probably the only other way that I can go. Um, 
I have to decide how much it's it's going to benefit financially in terms of you know because I'm not planning to go full time. Um, I have you know I'm happy in my career and, and what I'm doing. Um, this is a significant enough revenue that it is obviously providing. A, it's a, it's a great investment and a great business for for adding additional revenue. But I, I I'm not into that. I'm not going to be going into that sort of full time full time work. So yeah. But the, the future would be to grow to the point where I can't grow anymore. In essence, that's the bottom line. <laughs> I, I stop when I when I you know I need to stop. <laughs> I love it. When when the four hours a week become you know too much, it's like okay, we should slow down or outsource. <laughs> love it. Okay, this is fantastic, and what a discussion we've had here. I think we've covered a lot of ground. Uh, once again, you know, I really appreciate the ability to be able to talk about areas that typically are not in my content, uh, like running, you know, a, a specific Lego investing or Lego reselling website um, outside of the typical Amazon, eBay, BrickLink uh, direction. It's been amazing. I've learned a lot. I'm sure the people watching and listening have, have learned a lot. So thank you so much for sharing all your insights with us. And I'm super excited to see more about uh, the future of Rarity Bricks and where things go from here. I'll be following you on your socials and checking in for sure. Um, for anybody who is tuned in here who wants to find out more about Rarity Bricks, you can go to raritybricks.co.za um, or you know check out Rarity Bricks on Instagram or on Facebook uh, as well. And if you're in the South Africa area, obviously, make sure to go there for your Lego buying needs as well. So this was fantastic. Thank you so much for your time. Much, much appreciated. And uh, wishing you all the best with growing the business. Thank you so much, Shane. It was really nice talking to you. Thank you. Thank you, man. Thank you. And uh, for everybody watching and listening, make sure you hit that subscribe button. We'll be back with more, um, more interviews soon as we continue with the Brick Business Show. So thank you, everybody, and we'll see you in the next one. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider leaving a five-star rating. It really does help us to bring you amazing content. And if you want to learn more about building an income with Lego, check out BrickBucks.net or find us on YouTube at BrickBucks to learn about Lego investing.